Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast 15 to Life, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. I'm your host Tito Guerrero and I'm excited about this podcast because it is a follow-up to the podcast that was based on PTSD. So I was fortunate enough to get a guest this time around. So I'm going to ask that you excuse the poor audio because we did this kind of on location with some microphones and whatnot. But anyway, we're going to jump right into it. Hope you all enjoy. Drop a comment, drop a like, ask a question. All right. Now, if you listen to that podcast, if you haven't, please go back and check it out. But if you did, you'll know that we really went over how inmates especially long-term inmates come out and they have to an extent they have ptsd um, because of what they went through and not to mention I, i really went into how a number of people even people that weren't in prison weren't in the military aren't in any other kind of situation like that but maybe went through a traumatic event that could even be someone who was raped someone who was molested and it's kind of like what are those effects on people and and what does it do to them mentally and the way they look at things when they're either entering a room, dealing with new people or otherwise. And like I said, I was going to try and get some people on these podcasts, kind of talk about what they've been through. So today I have the absolute pleasure of having Roy with me. Uh, Roy is a veteran. He served in in the armed forces in the army. And um, Roy, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about your, your story with the army. Well, basically, I uh, I joined the army in 2004. Uh, became a track vehicle mechanic and was sent to 101st Airborne, which does not have tracks. But they ended up putting me on the recovery team, which every mission we go out and get all the vehicles. And that's about it. I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan, and two combat tours, and I think that's enough. And how how many years was that? A combination of five and a half years. Five and a half years, five and a half years. So Roy and I actually work for the same nonprofit currently right now. And um, Roy works with a lot of vets uh, where we're at. Uh, but Roy, you, you go through some of your own issues. And if you wouldn't mind sharing, um, kind of what are some of those issues in regards to PTSD? Um, just basically same thing a lot of me and my brothers do. Um, we have the sleepless nights. We have the Remembering certain situations, certain missions, certain things that we went through. And as brothers, we always are there for each other. One of them might have a bad day. We're all covering down for them. The other one has a bad day. We cover down for them. So it's basically a lot of memories, uh, stuff you want to suppress and don't think about. Certain situations make you think about it again. Most definitely, yeah. And if you guys remember, that's a lot of what I talked about the last time is... uh, and, and Roy, j- just for your edification, is one of the things that I, I have a tendency to do is whenever I'm in a new environment, I kind of gauge the situation, uh, so to speak. My situational awareness, I like to think, is a lot higher than most people's. I'm always looking for where the entrance exits are, whereas potential weapons or threats in a room, even if I go into Whataburger or anywhere else. Uh, do you ever have any 
anything like that when you're when you're going somewhere new or around new people? A lot of times, um, sometimes you do it without noticing it. Then the army they call it situational awareness, and it sticks with you, but it changes a little bit when you go to civilian life. Cause there's so many threats that you were so used to, then most of the people here are not threats, but you kind of see them as threats in certain positions, in certain areas. And you can get it confused sometimes if you're so used to it, and it's kind of hard to adjust sometimes. And and how does that play out for you, um, being a military veteran and uh, now uh, being a quote-unquote working stiff, working in the corporate office, uh, what, what, what do you find... Um, kind of as a stressor in the corporate arena um, that kind of ties into to that military background? A lot of times it's basically not being able to say what you really want to say. <laughs> um, right. Sometimes you just want to say, you know, you're a dumbass <laughs> and it doesn't fly on a corporate life. Um, you want to be honest with people and sometimes you can't because it doesn't fly in a corporate life. But um also, some other areas we usually see somebody all happy and lackadaisical and running down the hallway and jumping in their car and everything. And you kind of go back to where, I mean, if you really think about it, that's what you fought for, that's what you did. And um, they have the right to be doing that, but you're also like, man, you need to be careful because you're always looking for stuff. You, It's a different kind of life. It's like looking at a movie and you're actually in the movie and it's just really hard to adjust. Very, very hard. Yeah, no, and that and that's a that's a great point, and maybe we can touch on that a little bit more. You know, uh, and I've always looked at it that way, and I'm glad glad you said it that way. Which is, you know, people sign up for the military for a number of reasons, but at the end of the day, uh, when they're over there in theater, when they're in there, you know, fighting, putting their life on the line every day that they're out there, uh, they're doing it. For our freedom and don't get me wrong uh, and Roy I'd love to hear your take on it but you know a lot of times guys are sent out to, to fight a war that you know maybe we sh we don't need to be in and it's more political than it is for absolute needs of security but no matter how you cut it the individuals like yourself are, are basically committing to potentially giving your life for the freedoms that the rest of us enjoy and of course, I've told you a number of times, but, you know, I thank you for your service. I thank all of our uh, military people out there for their service. But, you know, maybe you can talk about that a little bit more about how that makes you feel when you see people kind of, I don't know, I guess maybe you could say abusing their freedoms yeah. <laughs> or taking them for granted, maybe. Yeah, I see that. I see that a lot. Um, and I'm actually going to use this as an example, and a lot of people probably won't like this, but... I was actually at Walmart one day and there was this quote unquote gangster, two gangster guys, you know, the low pants, the chains and everything, talking about how dangerous it is in their hood and this and that. And they saw my dog tags because I wear my dog tags as a, as a chain, basically. That's my way of representing as gangsters and people can represent their hood, their set, whatever they call it nowadays. And um, I do that and then when they saw my dog tags, they're like, oh man. So you in the army? I'm like, yeah. Did you go to combat? I'm like, yeah. Oh man, so you know how dangerous things can be. And I'm like, are you comparing your hood <laughs> to Iraq and Afghanistan? And they're like, yeah. And I'm just like, no man, don't do that. When you can go to the club and have to worry about hitting an IED or getting the rocket around the corner, an RPG hitting your vehicle or something, 
then you can say your hood is as dangerous as that. And when I see that, that's why I see that people take advantage of it. And then also, you know, when they say, oh, this is so dangerous, or oh my God, someone almost robbed me, someone almost did this, and we're like, we've been in so much <laughs> danger before. It's like, but this is what we do. You know, we sign that blank check to help protect these freedoms. And we have to put up with seeing some of these freedoms being very much taken for granted sometimes. But that's what we do. We just shut up and move on. So uh, I'm going to ask a... a a pivotal, trivial question um, as being someone who went out there and, and, and did what he had to do for the country. Uh, uh, I'm just asking this, so sorry if I'm offending anyone listening to, but how do you feel about people like Colin Kaepernick that take a knee during the anthem? I would say... <clears throat> you don't have to respond. I mean, no, I'll would, I would definitely respond. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say, okay, look, do something against it. NFL or do something against the cause that you're saying you're taking a knee for. Don't disrespect the flag in the country that you live in. In the country, and don't take this the wrong way either. But if you don't want to respect that flag or you think that flag stands for something else, you don't have to be here. You know, and I'm yeah. just going to say it straight out like that. If you feel like you're offended in some way or you have to stand for something, stand for that reason. Don't stand for the flag of the country that you're living in. Because that didn't do nothing to you. The flag didn't do nothing to you. Men who misrepresent the flag did something to you. Go after them. Well put, well put. And just for the record, I've, I've, I feel both ways on it. At first I was really mad, then I totally understood it. Uh, I will say I, I kind of agree with Roy. Um, I, for any, anything that's bad happened to me, and when I say that I'm talking about detectives, lying on me in trial you know basically so i could get a life sentence um that's an individual that's not the country and um i I think a lot of people have a bad view of our country but they've never left it so they have no idea what the rest of the world's like and uh i'll tell you um, i had it better in prison than uh most people live in their country so uh take that for what it is but anyway thanks for that comment um so uh, another thing um, that, that that comes up, and you just brought up a great point. I just did a podcast actually talking about a situation that happened at Walmart where I was with my daughter and this guy was basically acting like he was about to hit his girlfriend. And it made me stop in my tracks and I was trying to figure out like what I could do with my daughter if I had to go help this female and didn't would I be wrong for not having my daughter with me? And if I took my daughter, then I'm putting her in danger. And it, it, it really, it really kind of messed me up. So, um, have you had any situations like that, especially with a military background, you know, and, and kind of almost like borderline on law enforcement where, you know, your job is basically to protect and serve and, and provide freedoms for people. And now you're quote unquote off the clock, but it's kind of in you, right? Like how, how do you deal with those kind of situations where even if it's just someone arguing or fighting, like, like what, what kind of emotions? And, and mind you guys, uh, I'm asking these questions because to me, this is all part of PTSD. It's something that, that became part of us and we, we just can't let it go. And so I just want you guys to hear from a military standpoint, kind of what someone else goes through. So what, what do you think? But of course, when you see somebody trying to put their hands on a woman, you do want to choke them out, put them to sleep, draw a sharpie penis on their forehead or something. <laughs> but I mean, just 
when I see stuff like that, first of all, I got to make sure I'm not with my kids before I act or react or do anything. If I am with my kids, unfortunately, I won't act too much. I won't say too much because I also don't want to ever put my children in danger. Mm. That guy could be on something. He could have a weapon. He could have anything. And while you're doing that, they could have a friend. They could have something else coming around the corner. And there you go. Your child's unprotected or your family member's unprotected. So, again, it goes back to that situational awareness. You got to be aware of your surroundings, what's going on. If that was by myself, then that's like, hey, ma'am, are you okay? Most of the time they tell you to stick to your business, but you still want to watch from out from outside, kind of stay away and keep observing a little bit. Maybe make see if there's a security guard or something around, wave them down. Because also, being in the military, they're also going to use your military experience. If you end up getting in a tussle with them, you end up fucking them up real bad or something. They're going to use that too. So it's always situational awareness. And it does bug me. And it's instinct. It is in you, and it's you know you are ready to go and take action if you have to. So, yeah, and uh, I I get that, and that's pretty much what my other podcast was about was just being stressed out like the rest of the night, mm-hmm. just thinking about it, you know, and and thinking if that was my daughter, you know, sixteen years later, if that was her sitting in that car. But, um, so so what about like some other things? Like, are, are there things? Or places you won't go because of how your mind is now post-military? I would say lately, because it's been getting worse. Because what happened was when I first got out, me and my wife, my ex-wife, we split up. And I took custody of all three of my kids at the time, a three, six, and 11-year-old. So what happened was instead of adjusting and going through some of the things my brothers and sisters went through right away, I kind of put a pause button on it because I was focusing on the kids. Lately, since they're grown, I have a grandkid (laughs) now. My son lives with his mom for a little while and my youngest lives with me. She's 13, she kind of can take care of herself. I have more time to think and more time to go over things and it has been getting worse. (laughs) I've been getting a little short tempered. I've been getting, um, I do like to stay away from crowds now. There's just too many things to observe and too many situations to think about what happened. So in that case, yes, uh, crowds, uh, loud places, because I have a lot of background noise from IEDs going off, uh, mortar rounds going off, just different noises that kind of affected my hearing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, So silly question, and I kind of know the answer, but the audience doesn't. Um, Do you gravitate towards or away from like history channel movies that deal with military content that kind of stuff um i'm kind of weird even though i should stay away from it i like watching it because it kind of makes me feel like home and i know that sounds weird uh 13 hours black hawk down (laughs) um I try to stay away from the Michael Bay stuff because that's a little bit too crazy and I'm too busy <laughs> thinking, oh, that's unrealistic. Right. It doesn't pop like fireworks. It doesn't <laughs> do that. But, I mean, there are some scenes in 13 hours that are very, very, very almost on point and stuff like that. Certain firefights and certain uh, mortar rounds coming in, RPGs coming in. So it's actually pretty on point with some of that. And I do. I do watch it. Sometimes American Sniper, I'll be up for... Two or three hours, and I can't sleep, so I just put some on. And uh, a cool fact is, I actually served with 101st Airborne, 1st Battalion 506 in Iraq, Ramadi, Iraq. 
And I just realized probably about four years after I got out that uh, Chris Kyle could have possibly um, created Overwatch on some of our missions. Wow. I just put that all together <laughs> and it was kind of weird. So still Team 3 was there when we were there. So it was pretty cool if you actually go back and put things together. So fun yeah. fact. Yeah, no, nice. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's there's so many things that that, that people don't get about whether you're military, you're ex-con, you're a police officer, firefighter, whatever it may be, the the things you go through, they, they don't they don't turn off you guys. They they really don't. And um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little personal on this next one, but uh, what are some things you pretty much have to do now to kind of keep your balance with everything if you don't mind sharing I don't know really I mean I'm still working through a lot of stuff um, I mean you know me at work I seem like that cool calm collected guy but it's all a facade sometimes yeah <laughs> when you really yeah. have to deal with it um, still working through some things basically me and a few buddies we call each other keep in contact with each other um, that's about the only thing that kind of keeps us going sometimes I hide it from the family big time yeah but other than that, I mean, we should be good. I mean, it, it it's something to work on. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I've really said these in the podcast, but uh, I, I joke about it, but it's, it's, it's the truth. It's not a joke, which is uh, if you come by my house and see me eating, odds are you're going to see me eating out of a bowl using a spoon. It's very prison, but it's just what I'm used to, and, and I'm comfortable doing it. Um, and, uh, um, like, uh, Roy right now, we're at his new house. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Um, and, and he's got his everyday carry backpack sitting on the couch, you know, <laughs> looking like he's ready to, you know, go back out to, to war. And, um, I, I just feel like the, the more I, I have two cousins that are, um, police officers or former police officers, they, and in California where you don't have concealed carry and all that, but they sure as hell carry guns all the time. That's just what they know, and it's, it's who they are now. Um, and, and I think um, as a society, um, we try to find differences in one another to kind of segregate each other. In reality, a lot of us have the same problems and the same issues, and they might stem from different things, but we're all just human beings, and, and we deal with stuff. And um, some of us deal with it better, some of us deal with it worse. Uh, but the reality is, is the, the more open we are to the fact that we all have these issues, the easier it is for us all to get along and to understand some of us are comfortable. Like Roy said, he's not comfortable being in, you know, crowded areas. Uh, I'll say I've gotten a lot better, but, I'm, you know, if I have a choice, I'm not going. Um, uh, so I, I get that. Uh, other people are very comfortable. And so it, it's nothing against... We don't, it's not that we don't want to be around you, it's we just don't want to be around that situation. Just like I don't want to be around a bunch of knuckleheads because that's what got me in trouble in the first place. You know, I'm sure, Roy, you're probably the same. Um, and we have families and stuff too, and we worry about them. You just heard Roy say, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily tell his kids everything because he doesn't want them worrying about him, you know, and um, makes sense. I'm sure when my daughter grows up, I'm probably not going to tell her half this stuff either. Um, so um, I'll ask this kind of wrapping some stuff up, but uh, any advice you would give to someone who's dealing with some issues and, you know, maybe something that's helped you get through some, some tough times? Um, 
basically don't think you're Superman. Go ahead and reach out for help. This, the, the biggest thing that I've seen is you have to reach out for help. Um, I'll use my buddy as an example. Um, he's like one of my best friends and he's been going through some stuff. I'm not even going to come close to saying his name because I do want to talk about <laughs> it a little bit. Um, he's gone through some things, you know, and this is the guy that if you see him on the street, you would not go up to him. You wouldn't <laughs> even think about it, you know. Um, he looked like you rip your head off, and you know, to me, he's a big teddy bear. He's probably gonna try to kick my ass for that. But uh, <laughs> we used to tussle and roll, and when my back was good, when I could actually do that stuff, and we choke each other out and do things. And he really hit it hard. Um, some things went down, and you know, in his life, and it wasn't good. And he reached out. He made that step, and he reached out, and he got a little bit better. He's not perfectly fine, but he got a little bit better. The biggest step is to reach out. Even me, I'm too prideful. I'm over here thinking <laughs> I can handle everything. Even at work, I'm like, man, I can handle this, I can handle this. And, but you got things going on, you have to reach out. So anybody that's out there that is going through something, you just got back, you just did it, you're not alone. Each generation has them, Vietnam, World War II, anything, Desert Storm. Yes, there were different wars, but everybody went through the same kind of stuff. And you have to reach out no matter what. It could be an old vet to a new vet. As long as you're talking, as long as you're getting it out, it's going to help in some way. Yeah, and, uh, the, that's great advice. And I may have, may or may not have talked about this in some of the other podcasts, but I will say um, I agree with that 100%. I try to make myself as available as possible to other guys getting out of prison, especially long-term incarceration. Um, something that I, I held held on my shoulders for a while. Uh, two individuals that actually went through San Quinn with me and then ended up on the same main line with me. Um, both of them did nine and a half, ten years each. And when we all were out and free, they neither one of them was doing too hot. And I extended help. I even offered, you know, free rent and everything. Just you know, get them a job, like help, help them get back on their feet. And both of these individuals ended up hanging themselves. Um, and it, it really fucked me up. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, took that as partially my fault. And, you know, lucky for me, I had some, some close guys, other ex-cons, that kind of talked to me. And they were like, that's not your fault. You know, you can't force someone to take take your help. And But it still hurt, especially because these were guys like our coming into prison fresh off the bus we were all together and so it was like we did our entire time together and it was really hard for me to like like get over that and it still is and it just makes me want to help people even more because i, I don't want to lose anyone else and i'm sure Roy, you feel the same way uh, i wouldn't be surprised if you've lost some guys to right. suicide as well um matter of fact i I, I can't quote it, but I heard a crazy statistic about veterans committing suicide, and it's like ridiculously yeah. high number. So, um, yeah, just just remember, you guys, people are dealing with stuff, and um, you you never know when something's going to happen. And I'm not just saying suicide. I mean, it could be a car accident. So, you know, listen to people, take time to smile, say hi, and you know, lend an ear. Um, sometimes people just need to get something off their chest and uh, it's a great point. I would say exactly what you just said. I mean, that's that's how 
I came back and that's like my everyday thing. I just try to live life, try to enjoy it. Um, Cause you never know when it is your last. We had a lot of guys commit suicide within the first three months. That's we crazy. Back. I mean, I was, I only had to stay in the army for 90 days when I came back from Afghanistan cause I got stop lost. And uh, within that 90 days, we lost a few people to the suicide, you know? And it's like, you just gotta watch it. So my advice is just same thing. I mean, get your help if you need help. Reach out if you need help. You're not Superman. Get out there. You'll start feeling better. You'll start doing something. If you're not gonna be 100% healed. I'm in the military. I'm telling you right now, I'm real. I'm gonna tell you the truth. You're not gonna get better like that. Um, it, it's a process and at least if you're working on it, you have a better chance. And um, just live life, man. I, that's the way I'm living now. I, I try to be happy as much as possible, no matter what's thrown at me and doing anything. And if you've been in the situations I've been in, which basically, I mean, different missions, different mortar rounds, different things coming in, um, you, you kind of enjoy life now <laughs> because uh, you never know. Uh, a mortar round came in next to 20 bottles of oxygen, 20 bottles of acetylene, and it was a dud. And if it would have went off, everything would have been vaporized within probably about, what, about 100 feet, 200 feet or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's what happened. My buddy actually has a picture of the pipe that it went through and still didn't go off. And uh, that would be crazy. If I have it, I'll send it to Tito. <laughs> He's probably going to laugh when he sees it, but it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, I mean, things like that happen. And if you were got through it, you're meant to be here, guys. If you're still here, you were meant to be here. You're not meant to take your life. You're not meant to go anywhere else. If you made it through, you were meant to be here. So take advantage of that and reach out. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, uh, I couldn't have said it better. You know, you know, whatever whatever got you to the point where you're dealing with some stuff, know that you made it through it, you know, and, and just keep persevering and uh, ask for help, like Roy said, and, and, you know, at the same time, listen to other people because you might be at a point where you're okay and someone else needs your help. So, anyway, Roy, I really appreciate you taking some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, thank you for your service and for everyone out there listening. Um, I'm going to try and get some more interviews on here, but we're lucky to catch Roy today and I'll try and catch up with some other people. So remember, uh, keep a positive state of mind, understand uh, whatever you're going through, there's someone going through something worse and, you know, uh, someone gives you a helping hand, be sure to pay that forward. You never know who needs it. Uh, Stay positive, stay doing good things, helping people and... uh, Make this world better uh, one podcast at a time. Anyway, Tito 15 to Life, signing off. Thank you all.